Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I am here today with David Henderson. Well, good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty. Sorry. (laughs) Facebook goes through these um, phases where sometimes it automatically mutes our audio, and sometimes it automatically plays our audio as we're going live. And so I'm always kind of hesitating to wait see, is it going to be loud? Is it going to be soft? What's going to happen? <laughs> so, I felt like I was having a conversation with two Michelle Lichtys, you and your twin. <laughs> exactly. And one on delay. <laughs> right. She seems a little slow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, David, we're here today to talk about your sermon from this past Sunday, um, Faith and Our New Life from First Thessalonians. Um, I had I had written down nine verses nine and ten, but then I think you really did focus on verses five through six. Yes, yeah, it was a different focus. Yep. Okay. Um, and as we were chatting before we started going live, I I said, what would you like to cover today? And you kind of talked a little bit about how the sermon was structured. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad to know that because I felt so lost. (laughs) (laughs) Am I taking notes at the right time? Um, Because because your sermon was a lot of introduction. Mm -hmm. It was, exactly. And layering layering ideas and thoughts before we got into the passage. And so I felt like I wasn't taking very good notes. And I feel so much better. That I was taking. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe just a just a uh, step back to reflect on kind of a, a broad principle of the Christian faith, and also kind of something that I wrestle with as as a communicator. Um, I think there are two really basic ways to uh, in- integrate. Uh, new learning. And one is um, to accrue facts and kind of um, stack them or pile them to kind of stuff them in a bag. And here's this interesting insight about this theme in First Thessalonians, or here's this interesting insight about the background of what led to the starting of the church or what, whatever. And they all kind of go into the same bag. And, and I think that can be fun and enjoyable. And at times I think that can be a helpful way of learning. But one of the things that I found really helpful is to try to figure out uh, if there's some frame around which I can fit the ideas. So I have a sense of how they're related to each other and not just picking up the next one and going, oh, and then putting it down and picking up the next one going, hmm, and then putting it down. But it's like, oh, this actually fits with this. And then this, this, and this lead to this. And I think the more we have that kind of frame of reference perspective for what we're learning and integrating or, or reviewing, I think the more it actually ends up getting um, excessively integrated into us so that we can draw upon it more effectively when we get to that point. So, um, so you're right, actually there were like 
three concentric circles of introduction leading into this. And part of why that's the case is because we've chosen, in, in a way that is a challenge for communicator and listener, we've chosen to approach the book of First Thessalonians thematically instead of just going verse by verse, mm. which is every bit as much of a biblical way to approach it. Uh, but it's it's approaching it in a different way. So we're looking at how the like how an idea threads through the book rather than just the next verse says this, here's some things we can say about it. So I started at the broadest level, kind of reminding us as we're getting started in the sermon series, here's, we're about uh, first Thessalonians um, Mm -hmm. and then inching my way in kind of to the, the next level. um, Here is this frame of reference that Paul uh, delights to use through all of his letters, including this, the first of his letters that we have, mm. of th- having um, these three building blocks of the Christian faith, faith, love, and hope. We think of the faith, hope, and love because of First Corinthians. That's the kind of most familiar version of it. Most right. of the time he does it the other way around. So faith is this, this um, it's a combination of a confidence that I have in God, but then it's a placing of my weight on him because of that confidence. So really ultimately it's about giving my life over to him in allegiance. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that obviously is central to the Christian life. Then Paul says, and then the next thing that happens uh, almost just by default, if, if I am on the receiving end of the love of God made known to me through Jesus in this way that leads to my faith and my committing myself to him as King, well, that's going to slosh over into a life of love. And in fact, that's kind of the word Paul uses, as we'll explore in a few weeks, um, let your love overflow. So it's that this will spill out in this. You've been on the receiving end of the love of God. Let that same love spill out back towards God, out uh, towards your brothers and sisters, and then uh, beyond to the world. So faith and love, and then hope that those are both kind of in the present moment. I'm fully confident of God. My life is given over to him. Um, and, and I have a heart for those guys placed around me. And I use the expression on Sunday, which has become really rich for me that we start out thinking about our lives bent in upon, or not thinking about, we start out with our lives bent in upon ourselves apart from God. And then the miracle of new life is my life is opened up towards God and out towards others. And that's exactly up towards God, faith, out towards others, love. And then Hope is just saying, and in the very next moment, I will still be a person of, of faith and love. And in the very next moment, and then the very next moment, I can be fully confident of God's loving purposes prevailing in whatever it is in which I will ever find myself, that God's got this and he will work out his loving purposes. And so I wanted to take some time to kind of frame all of that in as a way for us to even think in a, maybe in a self-assessing way, uh, wow, which, which of those parts might need some development in me? Uh, where does God seem to be knocking at my door? Where, what is his invitation at this season of my life? And also as a way of understanding, oh, in this section, Paul is really talking about the love he has for them and the love they have for him. And in this section, he's really focusing in a lot on hope and so on. So I think that that frame of reference, um, becomes very evident as the way that Paul has shaped First Thessalonians around those three themes. And so that's how we're shaping the sermon series around those three themes. So the whole first half of the series 
is picking those up. So let me just pause there and then bring us into the next concentric circle, which kind of begins to lead into the content. Right. So the faith, love, and hope. If I I have written in my notes three bedrock Christian principles slash characteristics slash graces. Yeah. I think you used all three of those words descriptors yes. in, in that section. Right. And I love, I, so I just love the word graces that yes. it's, it's God's grace to give us faith, love, and hope. So they're not from ourselves, right? Even this is a gift of God. Yes. Yeah. And Michelle, I'm the same way. That word really grabs me. I came across that in one of the commentaries. Um, they are, they're often described as kind of the primary Christian virtues, but there's something much like faith isn't really a virtue. It's starting point, ending point. It's the, it's the room I inhabit. It's, um, it's something so much more than kind of check, (laughs) um, which we can't think of as a virtue and, and love is the same way. It's a, it's a whole way of life and way of seeing other people. So I think graces is a way, a great way to describe it. I, I really like that when I came across that. Yeah. And then, so then from these three graces, we, you moved in a little bit closer, the, in the next concentric circle, let's see if I have it right. You're telling me you're lost. You obviously were not look at you. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see if I have it right. Um, Are the, the anchors or the bedrock of our Christian faith, which is the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So what I did then, uh, that's exactly, you just, you followed my trail is I said, all right, we've, Paul brings to first Thessalonians and to almost all of his other letters, this, this frame of reference in his head, faith, love, hope. That's what we're doing in this sermon series as well. Now let's zero in on faith. What does faith entail? And that was a, that was where it's, okay, let's look at this. It's I'm chosen and loved by the father. Jesus lays down his life for me, redeems me. And then the spirit brings me alive to God. The, the kind of the tr- Trinitarian, this divine conspiracy on the part of the Trinity to draw us into faith. And so it was unfolding then kind of three aspects of what faith means. It's what Jesus did for me outside of me before my life began but then it also, the focus of last Sunday and next Sunday, it's what the Spirit does in my life to bring me alive to all of this, right? So then we're like inside the third door now of the kind of third concentric circle of introduction of like, okay, now here's where we are. Here's what we're wrestling with. What are the dimensions of faith? And you're exactly right in your starting point. There's this yeah. historical reality, right. which is so crucial. And then, and one of the questions you asked is, so now we need to work hard to earn Jesus's death, to earn that, the Mm. right to claim his death. We need to work hard at that. And then you said, actually, no, that is not how we respond. Right. Um, Right. So the, the, um, you may remember that one of the things I talked about was that um, we, we talk about Christians and, and Muslims and other people as believers. That's kind of the main uh, descriptor we have for them which is, is both absolutely accurate and inadequate when you talk about Christians. Mm. Because yes, we are believers, but I think a lot of people think that's it. It's, you know, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe I'm going to heaven. And I sit around, um, you know, twiddling my thumbs in the meantime, and does it really inform how I'm living my life? 
So we added in that next layer. No, and clearly Paul talks about this. We're to live our, our lives in a way that's worthy of God and pleasing to God. Oh, so that means then Jesus did this for me. And now it's all up to me to somehow make God happy in my response, to earn it, to, to, to satisfactorily compensate for what he did for me. We, yeah, we can't, we cannot ever do that. And that leads into this incredible mystery and gift that God promises of the work of the spirit, bringing us alive to him. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we can sometimes miss that. Yeah. Awesome. Right? Because we're, we're focused on, I, I mean, I think there's a, just even in the words of how we describe the Trinity, the three persons of the, of, of God, it's the father that can feel kind of like an embodiment, like, oh, I can see the God, the father as a person. And then we have Jesus who is a person, right? He's human and he's God. And then we have the Holy spirit and we're like, oh, but he's not really a person because he's a spirit. And it's like, well, the, nothing can be further from the truth. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so a lot of times we can kind of forget like, oh, wait, no, the Holy Spirit is a person. And a counselor. A person with power and purpose on the inside of us who is about bringing about the things that matter to God in and through us, which is incredible when we think about that. Yes. It's like, it's like this plugging into this power source that sets the life of God loose on the inside of me, mm-hmm. which is so different than the burden of, of a life pleasing to God is on me. It is so different. Yes. I was privileged to be a part of the um, women's retreat this past mm. weekend here at Covenant. And um, one of the things... Uh, that Sharon, your wife said <laughs> that really, I, I mean, really hit home for me was um, just this nuanced change in the way she prays um, between, and now I'm trying to remember the words because I don't have my notes in front of me, but it's between um, Holy Spirit live out through me versus Holy Spirit or Jesus in me live out right now. Hmm. So give me, oh, that's what, that was the difference. Give me your peace. Give me your love in this situation. Give me your verses. Jesus in me, Holy Spirit in me, live out your peace through me, live out your love through me in this situation. And I thought, wow, that, that does make a difference in the way I view myself and my relationship with God versus, you know, because sometimes it's easy to think about God as separate from me, which he is, but the Holy Spirit is also within me. Yeah. I think that's right. And I think we all have, we all have shrinking faith. We are shrinking vantage point, shrinking theology. Um, because there's, there's, 
it's such a stretch for us to think of a, the Trinity and the spirit, God outside of me and inside of me and all that. And we all tend to, just out of convenience to ourselves, I think we, we fall into this kind of default theology, which is something less than what's fully true. And I think for so many people, it's kind of a, a duotarian instead of Trinitarian theology. Um, the father chose me, Jesus died for me. Now it's all up to me, you know, um, now I live my life for him. And, and I, I think one of the most jarring things I came across in the new Testament after I was an atheist and then began to study scripture as a follower of Christ was coming to the book of Galatians and, and discovering how really confrontational and jarring is Paul's language when he essentially says, you idiots, how could this be that you understand that the work of your being called by God into relationship with himself is all grace of no doing on your part? And then you understand that Jesus' death on the cross, you contributed nothing to it, absolutely nothing. Mm. How is it now that you're feeling like now you've got to take all that back over to yourself and now it's all up to me to change myself more into likeness of Christ, to live a life that's pleasing to God. And God's saying, no, I've planted my spirit in you mm. and let him live his life. The life I live is, um, it, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God. It's, it's his life being lived through me. Right. Right. Yes. That was one of those verses that I memorized in high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, part of where, where the focus in this message was, was specifically what, what is happening at that moment or season in your life when you are coming alive to Jesus mm -hmm. for the very first time that when your spiritual life is beginning. And I, think a marker of that happening beginning to stir in us is when there's an awakening of insight but there's also an awakening of awareness to his inner presence and power that we begin to shift from it's all up to me to spirit of god would you do this in me or mm -hmm. through me mm -hmm. And the word begins to come to life and we have more of a sense of his presence and joy begins to capture us as the people of God. There are some of those kinds of realities that we begin to notice on the inside of ourselves that are evidence of his stirring and working. Yeah. Because I yeah. think um, there is a cultural notion. I mean, I was just talking recently to someone who talked about somebody being a good Christian. And, and I thought, that's really a carry carryover way of thinking about Christianity as mm -hmm. Jesus died for me and he set an example and now I should pattern my life after his and every follower of Christ would say yes, but that leaves out so much. Um, being a Christian doesn't mean he died for me. I pattern my life after him. Being Christian means he died. He brought me to life towards him. He put his spirit in me more and my, more. I want to cooperate with the sort of life he wants to live in me and through me. So it's his life finding expression rather than this is what I do in exchange or. Um, yeah. 
And it goes back for me, it goes back to Romans 12, one and two, right? Like, no, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Thinking the Christian life is all up to me, mm-hmm. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes. Which is, yeah, I mean, just being open to the Holy Spirit's leading, being open to the changes, his life within me, changing me, transforming me from the inside. Um, and right. And, and asking the Holy Spirit to help me to, to give me a passion, a desire to read my Bible, to pray, to spend time, to seek Mm -hmm. solitude to end silence. And, um, because I mean, honestly, if we're conformed to the pattern of this world, we don't have those desires within us. We want yeah. the Holy Spirit to give us those desires. Yeah. 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 And, and there is so much um, mystery in the new birth that we can't mm. understand. We experience it and we know it's happening. Mm-hmm. But there's so much mystery in it. It's not a it's not a controllable thing, as Jesus says to Nicodemus. You know, you can't, there's no controlling which way the wind blows. Right. Uh, it blows where it will, but the, in the sense that he doesn't use this analogy, but the question is, will you put your sails up when the wind comes? You know, will you let right. it carry you where God means you to go? Right, right. Oh, and it just, that that just brings to mind, you know, some of my favorite books, The Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, I think it's in um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when Lucy asks Mr. Beaver, like, okay, but is he safe? Mm-hmm. And Mr. Beaver says, no, he is not safe, but he is good, describing Aslan, the lion. And and it's like, yeah, is the Christian life safe? Mm-hmm. N- not not really. Not if you want to be in control. It's not safe. Right. Right? It's following Jesus, you know following Jesus safe. Mm -hmm. I mean, in one sense it is because he's got us in his hands, but in another sense, it's not because we're surrendering control. Uh, Yes, absolutely. And, and I think often it's only in hindsight that we look back. I mean, this is certainly true for me, having been an atheist. And then when God began to bring me alive, alive to him towards the end of college, it was really only as that work was beginning that I could look with honesty at my own self-management of life and to see what a fiasco I was making of a life under my control and ruled by me. And, and, and then also could, could have exposed the illusion that I was really controlling anything, which I can't and am not. And yeah, so the, the, um, just had a really rich conversation recently with a couple who were both talking about wanting to grow in this area of um, of releasing their own grip and mm-hmm. letting God be the one leading them into the life that God had for them. It was such a fun conversation that um, the, the utter trustworthiness of God to lead our lives better than we are able and then putting the weight of our lives on that confident, on that trustworthiness of his. Um, mm, okay, mm-hmm. I invite you to lead. And I think that moment of releasing control is incredibly difficult. That was probably the single biggest 
obstacle for me in becoming a follower of Christ is letting go of control. Mm-hmm. And, and only gradually did the spirit dawn in my mind, the reality that I did not have control and I wasn't doing a good job trying to manage the parts of life that I thought I was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> that can be a really hard lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I think a, a question while you recover, um, <laughs> a, a question that I think is really worth asking is just the stopping and saying, all right, let me just take really honest stock of where I am. Am mm-hmm. I a follower of Christ or not? Am I, have I, have I shifted the locus of my confidence from me to mm-hmm. the one who created me and chose me and loved me and died for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And is there, is there evidence in my life of this new life that confirms this new birth in some way? doesn't mean I become perfect. And we're talking about that this coming Sunday, but are there, are there places I can point to where I'm no longer being, conformed but i'm being transformed by the spirit of god from the inside right and if if we've not relinquished self-management and self-control if we if if me being a better person is still a self-project and if i'm fundamentally the same person um, that I've been all along, but just trying harder. Those actually might be good indicators that I may have an understanding of the Christian life that isn't consistent with what the Bible teaches. Hmm. And on the other hand, if there's a growing open-handedness and relinquishment, if there's a stirring, if there's a kind of an awakening to the things of God, if there's a fresh perspective, this opening up towards God and out toward others that we described, which is the central miracle of the Christian life, being turned, turned away from my own bent in upon my selfness, um, then I think those are reasons to rejoice and to be confident of the awakening work of God by his spirit and drawing us into the life of faith that he has for us. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, so when we, in order to ask those ourselves those kinds of questions, we we need to take time to reflect, right? We need to take time in solitude. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to to reveal that to us, right? Because even if we haven't put our full weight of faith in Jesus, it's God who's calling us. And so he will reveal that to us if we haven't taken that step yet. Mm-hmm. So we can ask the Holy Spirit for understanding, for wisdom, um, <clears throat> both to confirm or that um, that we have taken that step or to reveal that we have not and we need to, yeah. then to um, to also help us recognize places where we are clinging to the control and we are clinging to um 
to our way versus opening up ourselves to God's way to Jesus's work within us. And, um, and here's the great thing about that. It's, it sounds scary and it can be scary. And he's not going to lay us bare. Right. Right. All of it. Right. He's not going to dump it all at once and say, well, you know, you have control issues with your spouse. You have control issues with your children, control issues with your, with your extended family. Plus you haven't, uh, you have been lying to yourself about this and you've been ignoring that. And like, he's not going to do it all at once. Right. He's going to say, this is where, this is where I'm asking you to trust me now. Mm -hmm. And I think at the same time, there's, I think it's absolutely right. He doesn't, he doesn't, um, uh, thump us into the kingdom by, uh, you know, it, it's it's a wooing and an inviting. But there is some place I, I was just remembering as you were talking, uh, the moment that Corey and I uh, jumped out of an airplane on her 18th birthday. And, you know, there there is some point at which you, you say, I abandon mm. my self-management and I entrust and, and that can, there is a measure of terror that's connected with that relinquishing of control more right. for some of us than for others. So it certainly was a huge thing for me, um, which is instantly rewarded by um, the joy and the adventure and, uh, and God proving himself worthy of that trust instantly. Um, mm-hmm. But there is that, I've got to scoot out of the plane of self-management and, and yeah. go for it at, at some point. Right. And then yeah. you can enjoy the free fall and then you've got to trust your parachute. Right. right exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just going back to you, you talking about the, the value of uh, time to get away and reflect. Um, you know, I, I think we live in a culture that obsessively busies us mm. and we are delighted to cooperate with that obsessive busyness. I think, I think we all live with a sense that there are things in our lives we just as soon not know or face into. Oh, uh, when, when we're outside a remark. relationship. <laughs> I said, I resemble that remark. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But especially when we're outside of a relationship with Christ. I still remember a young woman, uh, my freshman year, no, my sophomore year in college, she was a freshman. Um, she was on an exchange floor, uh, Fran. And, and I remember her just... Uh, I went in to talk to her and, and she said, what are you running from, David? Hmm. I had no idea what she was talking about. And now it's like, well, I know exactly what she was talking about. She yeah. saw me scrambling to stay 10 inches ahead of the self-awareness that I was just not doing a great job managing my own life. And, um, and I didn't want to see it and wanted to stay ahead of that realization, which ultimately was a part of the way that God was inviting me towards himself. You know, when we slow down, he will always meet us there. Yes. Yes. And that's a great thing. Yeah. He always meets us in his light and his light uh, is sometimes uncomfortably penetrating, but Mm. it always comes with the warmth of his love. Hmm. I love that. Yes. That it's penetrating and it's warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And we are the children of the light, as Jesus says in Thessalonians, which we're exploring a bit on Sunday. Yeah. Well, good. I look forward to that. Any last yeah. thoughts? Yeah, just one. Um, and that is part of the way the scriptures teach us to celebrate this new life and new birth is um, to go public with it. It's interesting. It's a very, very private interior change that happens of mm -hmm. who's sitting on the throne. Mm -hmm. But because we've been placed in a community of new brothers and sisters and a new father, we're called upon to declare to those brothers and sisters of ours that we share their allegiance to the same father in order that we might be encouraged by them and cheered on in our growth of faith, love, and hope. And so I just uh, want to put forward the invitation that if there, if there comes a time when any of the people who are listening to this say, wow, I realize I was not a follower of Christ. God's bringing me alive to him. There's a new birth happening. I'm, I've, I've made that decision to shift the weight of my life off of me and put it onto God to become a follower of Jesus. Then um, we would love to know that and, and be able to include that as part of our public worship on a Sunday and to have a public profession of faith. And if you, you've not been baptized as an infant, then to, to, um, to be able to baptize you as part of that profession of faith. And it's, Jesus teaches us that that's part of the practice that he means us to, to follow in. And I know you mentioned, Michelle, that we have a convenient way of communicating with church staff, which is using the connect um, email. Um, so connect. Connect at covenant. Dot org. Yep. yep. Connect at covenant epc.org. Mm -hmm. So if that's, if that's a step you take, grab one of us after the service or, or send a, an email and we'd love to follow up with you with that. Absolutely. And then a reminder also that um, I don't know when you'll hear this, but tonight uh, and then every second Wednesday of each month through the year, we're going to be having conversations about Christianity. So if you find, as you're thinking about those steps of faith, if you find there are things in the way of that, that there are obstacles that you're thinking the, you know, the wait a minute, so the what abouts and the yes, buts um, we'll have those. It's just an open conversation uh, with those who'd like to have a safe place to be able to talk through some of those things and love to have you join us if that describes you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's, uh, September 13th today, September 13th at 7 PM in the hub. And then October 11th, the second Sunday in November, which is, I think the sixth or the eighth, and then in December of 2023. And then I'm sure we'll be scheduling some for 2024, but we haven't done well, that yet. Yep. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much, David, for spending some time with me today. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. It's always a joy. And thank you to our audience, whether you joined us live on Facebook or watched us or watched us later on our blog or listened to our podcast. We're grateful that you took some time with us today. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.